Okay, so like a million of you asked about Ken A. Wong getting more snaps. We're going to talk about that and everything else you asked about here on this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and the show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. If you are a YouTube watcher, you may have noticed that there was no show uploaded on Monday. That's because I was on the road. There was still an audio show, though, so if you missed it, I did a little recap of the Vikings 49ers game, kind of an immediate reaction thing. Uh, as we always do on the Monday show that's on Spotify, iTunes, whatever you, you listen to podcasts on normally. Um, but we're back on YouTube. We'll be back doing the video stuff here like normal. And that means that today is Twitter Tuesday. Before we get into the Twitter Tuesday stuff, um, a quick note about some news with Dalvin Cook. Um, Dalvin Cook had a shoulder injury in the 49ers game. It was first reported as a torn labrum um, and about like a two week absence, miss the Detroit game and then the Thursday night uh, Steelers game and then hopefully come back after that little half by. Um, turns out that apparently it wasn't a torn labrum, according to Zimmer. Um, although, I don't know, Zimmer telling the truth about injuries is like something I don't really trust, but whatever, labrum or not. Um, Adam Schefter also came out and kind of confirmed the the Vikings expect this to be a two week injury. Now, look, every injury, there's kind of a range of outcomes here. So you can only ever have your best guess, but their best guess for whatever that's worth is two weeks. Could be more. We just kind of have to wait and see. But for now, that means it's the Madison show and the Wongwu show. Uh, so that kind of brings us into our mailbag. If you have a question for the mailbag, you can send it to me anytime. You can fill out the Google form. That's always in the show notes. You can send a, uh, an email to locked on Vikings podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can send it to me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL or at locked on Vikings, or even leave a YouTube comment. If you are uh, a YouTube viewer, hello to you all. Uh, so let's do the first one. So uh, yeah, a million people ask this. I got a ton of versions of the same question, which is basically about what happens with Wangu now. Should he get more reps? Why isn't he getting more blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to go on a whole spiel. I'm going to take a while to do this. But the question version of this I'm using is the one that comes from Adam Feist, who asked, how can the Vikings get Wangu more involved with the offense? Okay, so there's a whole bunch of facets to this. But to answer the direct part about it, um, I think it's going to happen just sort of like by necessity. If Dalvin Cook's out, Madison is going to have to be spelled by somebody and uh, Wong is the next guy up. We do this kind of all the time with rookies. We just did this with like Wyatt Davis. We did this with Christian Derrissaw a couple weeks ago, um, who's coming off an injury. So we did it with like Justin Jefferson last year uh, and guys who didn't work out like Drew Samia. We do this a lot with a rookie where they come in and either they just suck like Samia or they're not ready like Jefferson, who I'm not speculating on that. Kirk Cousins came out directly in the offseason and told us, oh, yeah, it took him about half the year to get ready, which is why he wasn't getting as many targets earlier in the year. He was on like a limited playbook. And then when he was ready, he could run more plays. Then things kind of snowballed. Um, that is a thing that happens with every rookie. It happens every year, all the time, constantly. And we always kind of hear the same chorus of like, well, why aren't we getting this guy reps? You know, why aren't we giving him a try? Why aren't we giving him a chance? What if he's good in the whole time? And I, here's what I think happens with rookies. Um, they are not ready till they are. And you, 
like football is a fast moving game, especially for a position like running back. But for any position, things develop too quickly to think. That's like the biggest thing you ask any coach or player that you, you have to feel it. You might hear coach cliches that sort of refer to this, like the game is slowing down for him or, you know, that's what I kind of mean by ready to play is are they able to do what they need to do, but do it instinctually, not thinking about it. I bet if you took any lay person and you gave them study materials and said, you get $2 million if you can pass a quiz on this stuff at the end of the day and gave them like a playbook and, you know, months and if they could study that playbook for months and pass a quiz on it, they get $2 million. I bet a lot of people could probably pass that quiz. But it is such an entirely different thing to get into a game and have to apply that knowledge so quickly that you don't get to think about it. You have to have it all down to muscle memory and feel and instinct. Um, and some guys never develop those instincts. We call them draft busts, right? But some guys just take some time and experience to develop those instincts. It takes a lot of reps, and it's hard to get reps for your Debbie players in the middle of the season when you're trying to get ready for a game that's tomorrow. Um, you know, that's a, a, a difficult thing to do, which is why rookies, you know, kind of, they seem to develop a lot more in off-season programs than they do in-season to me, even though in-season's a longer period of time. So, yeah, you gotta feel it out. And... What I think happens is a, a player is not feeling it out right away. Uh, you know, they're transitioning, they're still thinking, they're learning new stuff, they're still kind of bogged down in all of it, and then eventually it starts to get more comfortable, and eventually they get to a point where they feel it. At that point, they go in, and then they play well because they have that instinct, they have that feel, they've got a rhythm for the game down, and once that happens, that natural athleticism that was all in all the testing and that was on all their tape and all that stuff starts to take over, and they do well. And then all we saw as fans was they didn't start for like 12 weeks and then they came in and they were good. And to us, we kind of see, you know, we were told not good enough to play, not good enough to play, not good enough to play. And then very good all of a sudden. And we kind of think, well, that's way too sudden. They must have been good the whole time and the team only now realized it. But I don't think that's what happens. I really do think it is sudden because like, like your athleticism doesn't matter if you're still thinking. So with Wangu, he's still thinking for sure. Uh, he got one carry. He was, I think, a little hesitant on it. He wasn't thinking all that bad. I think he actually might be getting to that instinct point, which is very exciting to me. And remember, he missed a whole bunch of preseason and stuff and didn't get a lot of those live reps because he was injured. So he missed a lot of time. And I mean, when you're injured, you're focusing on rehab and that takes that's like a very time intensive process. You don't have a lot of you're not just like sitting on the couch studying the playbook. And even if you are, like I said, maybe you can pass the quiz, but you can only kind of develop that feel by doing it. Um, so, of course, he's going to be a little behind, but it seems like he's getting somewhere. But it also sort of sticks out to me that when he got in the game against the 49ers, Kirk Cousins had to line him up. And that is just you can't do that. That's unacceptable. Kirk Cousins has so many things to think about when he's in uh, when, when he's in pre-snap. He has to think about what's the front. Is my protection right? What are the safeties doing? What pre-snap look are they showing me? Should I audible? Should I do a check? Is there an alert I need to think about? What's my first read? Like there's so many things he has to organize. Getting a player lined up the right way can't be a problem. Like, that can't be a problem Kirk Cousins has to solve regularly. And so he kind of came out and he, like, lined up wrong once, and then he was, like, a little hesitant on a run. Um, it was not too bad. He still got a positive run out of it. But you can tell there's the wheels are turning still a little bit. So my ultimate answer to all of this, how do you get Wangu more involved with the offense? At necessity, he's going to get more reps. He just has to. But he's got to be ready. 
he's got to have that feel. He's got to have that instinct. And until he has that instinct, it's perfectly justifiable to keep him on the bench. But I think the Vikings have signaled that there is some of that instinct because he did go into that game as running back three um, into into the 49ers game as, as running back three. When the Vikings lost Amir Abdullah to waivers, uh, they tried to get cute with the practice squad. They lost him to the Panthers. They didn't go sign another guy to replace him. Wongu was ready. They weren't giving him reps, but he was ready to be in, in backup in an emergency option. And they still haven't gone out and gotten, you know, a free agent running back off the streets to go take some reps or a veteran that like has more of an understanding of the game. They're ready to give him those reps. So I think it is happening um, to answer the question. Ultimately, I think I think we're here and we're going to find out how the Vikings are getting him more involved in the offense. I don't think you have to set up gadget plays. I don't think you have to set up some package in here. Just learn this one play because then you do that once and then teams eventually catch on that. Hey, when 26 is out, they run this play. Um, I, you have to understand the offense. And I think he's getting there uh, and we'll we'll see if he has the instinct that I think you have to have by now. But it is a switch that kind of flips it's not a gradual thing so prepare for it to be sudden and surprising and don't lead that to you know don't take that and then infer that practices you didn't see went really well (laughs) you know that we 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 can't take it there it's just a a really weird fan thing that i want to just quash as often as i can that we we take a player who came in when they were finally ready and then played well. And we assume that the time they spent not ready was the time they spent secretly good. But for whatever reason, the team like willfully ignored how good they are at the thing that they were like learning on the fly and in a very high pressure environment. I I just, I don't know, unless I can see the practice myself, you kind of have to take that the team's word for that. Right. Uh, There's a a whole bunch more questions. I spent the whole segment on one of them. So we're going to have to whip through the rest. We'll get through as many of these as we possibly can. But first, it's snowbird season. It's getting cold out there. And it's time to daydream about or maybe even book a vacation to the beach. With Beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, passion, discovery, togetherness, immersion, rejuvenation, even encountering the unexpected. It is a lovely time of year to start planning a beach vacation with the family, with your significant other, or screw it, yourself. You ever been on a vacation alone? It's the best. So, beachbound.com, you can find that perfect vacation no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. Once again, thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Moving on with this Twitter Tuesday mailbag, the next one comes from Quinn Schoenfelder, who asks, can you dive into Cam Dantzler's performance this year compared to last year? Has anything changed? Did we protect him more this year? Is his high ceiling still present? Which also relates to, and and Quinn asked this way before, so it could become much more relevant now. Uh, Patrick Peterson is on the COVID-19 IR list. He is fully vaccinated, uh, which means that if he is an asymptomatic case, he actually has a chance to play in the game um, upcoming against Detroit. Uh, but otherwise, we'll have to limp through with Breland and, and Dantzler. We just have to watch that. Um, he needs two back-to-back negative tests. That's the protocol for if you're fully vaccinated. Um, two back-to-back negative tests. You can come play the next day. Um, but if it's like a true case and he's symptomatic and he's actually sick, he's got to Sit out till he's healthy. On Cam Dantzler, uh, this is a question that I want to answer in a really, really detailed way. I like, I want to spend a whole show on it in like February or January, uh, like after, like when we're doing our kind of postmortem stuff and really dive into Dantzler's performance. Um, but for me, the deal with Dantzler is confidence. I want to see him have 
and play with more confidence. I want to, you know, when you, when you have confidence in your ability to drive on a ball, to turn, to run with guys, then you don't have to play as far off. You don't have to be as cautious about things. You don't have to favor the deep ball so much. Um, you know, I want to see him get a little more aggressive. And then if a guy runs by you, you can turn and run with them because you have good technique and you trust your good technique. This is where you need to get this. is That's where you become a good cornerback. And I think Dantzler is doing that more often, but not often enough, I guess is where I'm going to put him right now. Um, but I, I think he's... Also, he does he messes up the assignment sometimes, you know, he'll he'll get confused sometimes still did that a lot his rookie year less this year. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I like the path that he's on. I like the development that he's taking. He's not a starter right now, uh, which sucks because I kind of thought like in the offseason, I, I was really excited about him because there was a couple of really good games in his rookie year. Um, but it's, it's just, it's a game of consistency right now. He's, he's got it in him, but it's a game of consistency. James asks in a sport where every yard and penalty matters. Do you think it's time for NF the NFL considers implementing a premier league style VAR system that will review every play alongside the refs in order to further minimize the amount of penalties missed? So I'm not a premier league fan, but doesn't, doesn't everybody like hate VAR? <laughs> I don't know if that's, I, did people like VAR? I thought people like did not like it. So here's what I don't like. It's like reviews are taking too long. And I think this year, refing in particular, a lot of people have complained about the officiating and making wrong calls and stuff. For me, what bugs me is the operation of the game. Um, they've had a really difficult time. You know, I think it was just the, was it Sunday night or Monday night football game where they like couldn't get the ball set correctly and they couldn't get the line set correctly and they were ruining the rhythm and the flow of the game. The number one job of an official is to, is to facilitate just like the, the, kind of blow to blow operations of the game to get the ball set, get the ready for play going, blow the whistle, get the ball set, get the ready for play going, play happens, blow the whistle, that cycle and getting that rhythm going. That's the ref's job. Um, and then I think penalties and flags and enforcing the rules is the second job after getting the game to flow. And when you can't get the game to flow, that really, really frustrates me. Now, what you're talking about, I think I don't know exactly how VAR works. Again, not a, not a soccer fan, but um, you're kind of describing like Sky Judge or like the New York Review Booth, and that does exist. So right now, if there is a questionable call at any point, a review team in New York can uh, just like elbow their way into any game and say, we are going to do a quick review. And if they pull that trigger, but it, within like t before the play clock gets to like 20 seconds, I think it is. Um, they always have the ability to push that button and just say previous play under review. Nobody had to challenge it. We're just doing that. And they've actually done some really sneaky reviews that you might not have even noticed uh, that could have overturned a call or something like that, but like didn't or whatever um, that haven't disrupted the flow of the game. And I think that tool is really, really good. The ref change that I want is I want refs to have the ability to decline to make a call on the field. We have a problem right now where reviews have to sort of defer to the call on the field. Like the Adam Thielen catch, everybody kind of thought was a catch, but it wasn't a catch at the end of the day. Um, that I thought was really, really close. And I think that was a too close to call call stand. So we just defer, default to what the call on the field was. I think if that was called a catch on the field, it would have stayed a catch. Um, and that kind of sucks, right? You're, you're kind of deferring to a much more difficult process. It's really hard to call those right live from whatever vantage point you happen to be in, especially on like a downfield pass. You might not have a ref down there, might've thrown past all of them. Like was the line judge going to see from that angle? Right. Um, so that 
can cause really difficult review situations where it's like it is a catch it looks a lot like a catch it's probably should be a catch but it's not you know clear and blah 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 enough and we don't have technically the perfect angle to overturn it so we're not going to overturn it and i think ref should have the ability to say you know what no call on the field nothing to overturn just take that one right to replay and let's just get the call right the first time it's going to get it's close enough it's going to get reviewed no matter what we call Let's just skip that part and just go straight to the review. And that would probably speed things up as well because you're, uh, you know, cutting out the weird huddle and discussion in the middle of the field about whether or not the thing was a catch or whether or not he was across the goal line or, or whatever the thing is. I think, I don't know, that could streamline and improve things and probably uh, lead to fewer controversially wrong calls. Chris Tree asks, can the Vikings look into hiring a coach whose job is simply clock management? Do other teams have a position similar to this? Seems like this is an issue every single week. So yes, teams have a clock management guy. I think the Ravens have one. It's a thing that people are starting to do. I don't think a clock management guy would fix Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer made a conscious decision that was bad. A clock management guy would do would would be great for a coach who just forgets about the clock or, or uh, you know, just like panics and uses a timeout wrong or something like that, or just can't handle that in addition to all the other duties that a head coach does. But Mike Zimmer is making a decision that is a bad one but if you put a clock management guy in there, he would just make the same decision and just tell the clock management guy to uh, act accordingly. He would make the same decisions as, hey, we're going to let him run the clock here uh, because I I don't want to give them extra time or whatever the rationale was for that. He probably would keep the same rationale ra- rationale. And I mean, you're not going to give the clock management guy precedence over the head coach. He would just say the clock management guy say, hey, I think we have a timeout. We should take a timeout here. And Mike Zimmer would have just said no and overruled that. Um, so I don't think it would have fixed the particular problem you're probably talking about with the 49ers game. Um, but I'm always going to be in favor of that as an idea generally. Sure. And some teams are doing it. Mike Mayer asks, I wanted to see if you can point me in the direction of some good learning tools for defensive coverages and offensive concepts, the strategy of the game. So this was an email and I sent Mike a whole bunch of books. Uh, A couple of my favorite are the two smart football books by Chris B. Brown, um, the art of smart football and the essential smart football. Uh, in a similar vein, Blood, Sweat, and Chalk. All of these books are like the history of the game. Everything old is new again. There is like a cycle where the wing T, which we would recognize today as like the wildcat, was huge way, way back in the black and white days of football. And then that led to a certain kind of front. And then beating that kind of front, a new offense came into vogue and then a new defense came up to be bad, blah, 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 blah. Over decades, strategy has evolved such, and those are a few good books um, that sort of document that and get you to kind of understand the ebb and flow, the punch and the counterpunch of, of football strategy. And I've certainly learned a lot from them. Got a ton more questions. I'll get to as many of them as I possibly can. But first, I want to tell you a Gramblin story. So I was doing uh, a live betting on betonline.ag. They just redesigned their website. They have an awesome live betting page and player props and stuff. You can bet on pro football, college football, uh, all the other sports, basketball, hockey, UFC, whatever. Um, and I was live betting the Monday Night Football game uh, with Washington and Seattle. And if you watch that game, you might remember how things kind of got weird right before halftime, right? So I placed a side live bet um, over 17 and a half points scored in the first half when the score was seven to three. So basically there were 10 points scored. I thought there would be more than a touchdown left in the half. There was like five minutes left in the half. I thought somebody could get a touchdown. And we're going to get a weird field goal at the end. So I made the bet. And with about a minute to go, the Washington finally scored that touchdown. So I wasn't looking great on my bet. 
that would have been seven points. And then I would have been a half point short with only like 50 seconds left and Seattle would have had to go and score a field goal. But you might remember what happened, right? Instead of kicking an extra point, which would have made the total 17 points, the extra point was blocked and it was returned the other way for a two point uh, like defensive extra point or defensive two point conversion. Uh, I think is how it actually gets logged, which made the total 18 and I cashed my bet. And I, I might not ever gamble again, gamble again, because and I might not ever gamble again, because that was awesome. If you want to experience beauty like this, head on over to betonline.ag. Use promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and you can get a 50 percent welcome bonus. That means whatever ha- your uh, first deposit is, half of that gets matched, plopped right into your account. That is betonline.ag where the game starts. Chris asks, so following the cycle of last year, all the linebackers were injured. This year, all the D linemen are injured. How many defensive backs will be necessary to avoid starting practice squad players? Well, here's the problem, right? Spend all you want on defensive backs. Get as many as you want. Come roster cut down day, the Vikings will only keep seven maximum corners, four maximum safeties. You only have that much room. I mean, there's a limit to how many guys you can have on the roster. You got other positions too, right? So you can only have seven or four guys, which is why it's always funny when, you know, you get stuff like uh, this, you know, Patrick Peterson's going to miss another game. Wow, what a bad signing. It's like, well, it didn't matter who they signed with that money. If that guy got COVID and pulled his hamstring, like he would have missed games, right? You can't, and it, it, unless you're, critiquing somebody for spending money on an injury prone player like you could maybe make a levy that kind of accusation about like dalvin cook right who's been injury prone it would be kind of bad faith because a knee injury doesn't have anything to do with a shoulder injury and stuff but if you wanted to make it something like that you you'd be making a a better point um but when it comes to i mean look any six guys if five of them get injured, you're down to your practice squad, right? It doesn't, you have the best six man group in the whole world. If five of them get injured, you're down to your practice squad. It just how the league works. Uh, Tommy asks, why did Kirk fumble? And also, why was Kirk blatantly holding the Vikings defense all game? And also, why did Kirk miss D- the DPI call in the fourth quarter? Look, man, Tommy, we got to talk. All right. The blame game, it, we can play the blame game in a way where if we're just trying to dole out blame, we can't make it a binary. You can't say who is at fault for the Vikings loss. You can't, there will not be, I will never accept a singular answer to that question, especially in a one score game. Now, sure, you can have the worst quarterback perform quarterbacking performance ever. And then that's that guy's fault. Like I think like the, the, the Josh Freeman game, but aren't the coaches kind of at fault for putting Josh Freeman in there in the first place. And isn't Spielman kind of in fault for bringing in Josh Freeman and causing that whole weird power struggle that was going on there. And isn't it kind of the O-line's fault for doing like, you could kind of go on and on. Right. Um, if you make it a binary where it's either Kirk Cousins's fault or it's someone else's fault, you're going to miss stuff. There's parts of that game that were Kirk's fault. He threw a bad interception. He he sailed the fourth and goal. Um, he missed a bunch of passes. And th- don't take my word for it. Kirk himself has said that. That deserves some blame. But if you just say, well, that game was just all on Kirk then, you ignore giving up a two-minute drive touchdown for the 700th time. You you uh, absolve Oli Udo of blame, right? That's also incorrect. If you make the blame game a binary you're just going to annoy yourself. You're never going to come to anything actionable. So don't worry about the binary blame game thing with with Kirk Cousins. Uh, Wyatt says, what does Kirk need to do to shut up Vikings fans? There are two things he can do to shut up Vikings fans. One, win a Super Bowl. Two, leave Minnesota. (laughs) Those are the two options. Uh, Mike Tice's secret playbook asks, by the close of his fifth season, Fragile Fred Taylor played in 56 games for the Jaguars and only delivered one complete season. 
to reach his this reliability benchmark, Dalvin Cook would need to play in four more games out of the next six for the Vikings. With this in mind and the obvious predilection for making business decisions at the end of runs, that is deeply untrue. Uh, is it time to change his name to Delicate Dalvin Cook? Uh, you can maybe make him Delicate Dalvin Cook, but Fragile Fred Taylor had like a 10-year career after that first five years, so... Uh, maybe that was not a great idea. He was, he had a lot of longevity after missing all that time. I mean, injuries can be kind of random. Um, I have a problem with you saying that he has business decisions at the end of runs. Like what? Maybe, I mean, he, he does glance off of contact, but that's so he can fall forward for extra yards. Um, and also, I mean, if look up what he did to Dion Jones in, uh, week one, 2019, he, he could crush a guy if he has to, or especially at the goal line too. Like he can crush a guy if he has to, I think you should probably rethink that part of your Dalvin cook opinion. Uh, the last one I'm going to do comes from Vikings disappointment enthusiast who asks, what is your favorite D and D class slash archetype to play? So I mostly DM. So I get to play everything, right? I get to play every character everywhere. But when I'm a player, I like the druid sort of toolbox-esque classes. I know bards kind of like this, artificers kind of like this, where, and if you don't play D&D, um, you kind of get like a stat sheet with all your different spells and all your different kind of abilities and stuff. And I like having a lot of different ones to choose from that are all not that powerful. Like some classes have like one or two things, but they're really, really powerful and you can kind of do the same thing over and over again and always be effective. Um, I like the ones that have a lot of versatility, uh, but you have to find creative ways to get use out of this like bone you were carrying around, or get use out of this item you had with you or whatever. That's what I really like to play, which Druid is great for that because Druids can wild shape into other animals and then you can like find a way to make it useful to be a snake for this time or to be a, a you know, an owl for that time or whatever. I love that kind of uh, gameplay. Tomorrow, we are going to break down some of the 49ers stuff. We're going to watch the tape, see what went wrong. I might be able to answer some of these questions in a little more depth as well. So come and check that out. And then we move on, move to Lions mode. Second game against the Lions. We'll talk to Matt again and get into all of that bold predictions, what have you. I will see you all for that. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. They'll get your grambles straight. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.